It's Over the Hump with Trails to Ales, where we bring you a bike thing, and a beer thing, and it's the thing to get you over the hump and into the weekend. What do you think? Let's talk about both bikes and beer. Right, bikes and beer? Bikes, bikes and, and beer. beer. Over the Hump with Trails to Ales. Welcome to episode number 129 of Over the Hump with Trails to Ales. This is Kevin and Ken, and we're here to talk about bikes and beer. And this week, I will be talking about bikes. And I'll start off my my topic with a question to Ken on what he thinks it takes time to make time means. It takes time. Well, it takes time to make time. That could be a lot of things. I think of it in terms of like uh, um, from mountain biking and running perspective, if you want to be faster, you got to put in the effort to get there. That's what I think about. It takes time to make time. Or if you want to be more efficient at work, you've got to take the time to get your tasks in order. I don't know. You're a project manager. You might appreciate that answer. What answer did you have in mind? So I, the reason I ask is that's uh, Yeti's punchline for the delivery or the, uh, I guess the um, revealing of their first e-bike called the 160E. So they say Uh, it takes time to make time. I hadn't seen that I didn't realize they said yeah, that was so, their tagline. Yeah, it's like, sorry, we're late to the party, so we're going to come up with a clever little thing here. Exactly. <laughs> and the only thing I could think of by what they mean by to make time is that they designed this bike to be competitive on the, um, the EWSE race um, racing circuit or, or just ah. racing in general. So ah, gotcha. EWS is the uh, um, Endurance World Series or Enduro World Series. So they've built a competition uh, e-bike. Exactly. So they went straight to the competition first. Um, so, so you know a lot to, more about uh, this than I do. Time. So let's, let's hear it. Yeah. So, well, I don't know that much about it, but I just know that they, they've got two different uh, models available. Uh, one has a Shimano XT package and the other one is, is running SLX for, for the drivetrains. Um, and both of them are basically the cost of a motorcycle or a possibly a used Honda Civic. <laughs> uh, the, the, the lower one being right around the $10,000 mark and the higher end version uh, with Shimano XT being 12700 And those prices go up even more uh, by $900 effectively if you add on carbon wheels uh, to either of those models. So pretty intense stuff. But I mean, it's yes. an e-bike. It is going to allow you to go further. It'll allow you to spend more time, in my opinion, riding. So if that's what they mean by making time, that, that makes sense. I don't know um, all the another, overtime you have to work to pay for the thing. You're not going to have time yeah. to ride it, right? Hmm. You know, that's a good point. If you if you uh, were motivated enough to work that much overtime, it's like, hey, I'm doing this for the Yeti 160. Do it for the bike. <laughs> so... So yeah, this is um, uh, from what I understand, uh, five years in the making, basically right here. 170 millimeter fork in the front and 160 millimeters of travel in the back, designed around the e-bike frame and, and weight. Uh, this one registering in right around 51 pounds, which is crazy. But with the, with the, the motor and everything, <laughs> yeah. But I mean, given that's a carbon frame, carbon wheels. And, and, you know, the fa- Fox Cashamac, Cashamac's uh, uh, dampeners, I mean, that's 
that's still that's a beast but 20 uh, pound bike 20 pound bike and a 30 pound battery <laughs> yeah yeah so uh, uh one other interesting uh thing uh with this one is yeti came out with a whole new suspension uh design uh for this one it's called the uh sixfinity uh six bar linkage system uh it basically it, it was designed around being able to handle the you know additional weight of an e-mountain bike so you're talking a, a you know solid 15 to 20 pounds more weight minus the rider's weight and whatever they've got packing on them uh that the suspension needs to be able to handle uh with whatever you know uh, fork and, and shock you have on there so uh the new design is uh pretty interesting looking like i said six links it's uh busy but it definitely um you know looking at it it actually reminds me a lot of the suspension setup like we have on the trek except it's got an extra arm kind of slanted back towards the the chain stays but outside of that it's very similar uh to how our frames look um but you'll notice that they uh, they come in the, the typical, uh, I forget what they call the color specifically, but the, the teal looking color, and then they have a gray. Um, but there is also, uh, I saw on Pinkbike, uh, there's a team issue paint scheme that's coming out to look like the classic Yetis with the blue and the yellow. Uh, huh. So that looks pretty sweet as well. But, uh, but yeah, so... Is it too early uh, for a reaction? Like, have you seen anything on uh, social media or uh, pink bike single tracks or anything? Like, uh, is anybody saying anything about it of value yet? Or they just haven't even had a chance to react? So, yeah, uh, pink bike does have an article out or a, a review uh, that came out. Um, and I mean, overall, it, it sounds like it's getting pretty positive reviews so far. Uh, I mean, for, for the, the price, I wouldn't imagine a, a bad review, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. So, um, if you scroll right to the pros and cons, so they mentioned all around handling as a pro. Um, so that's, that's good to know, given the, the weight of the bike and new suspension design, um, that they got the geometry right on it. Um, another thing with the, the geometry. So. Uh, it's got a few different um, suspension settings via flip chips for the rear uh, shock. Um, and apparently the, the reviews are, are saying that um, the adjustments there uh, are actually beneficial and, and um, you could tell the difference. So that's good to know. Um, I guess the, on the con side, they're saying from the geometry perspective, maybe it's a little bit steep. Uh, or for the fork. Um, and so they're saying that they're looking for a little bit um, slacker or, or more rake on the front end. Hmm. Um, yeah. So uh, overall, though, it sounds like pretty positive initial review, at least from Pinkbike. Uh, that, that's the only one I've seen in, in red um, so far. Be interesting but, to see what happens uh, when it hits com the real competition. No, I don't mean yeah. by sales competition. I mean, in racing competition, what, you know, mm -hmm. is it going to be a winning bike? Yeah, I would is hope it, so. They need winning but... riders. <laughs> that, the rider, yeah. be, some of it's about the rider. Right. 
yeah, um, I guess we'll see soon enough. But it, I'm, I'm wondering now how long it'll be before you know they throw this into something a little bit more um, attainable by the average Joe. Yeah, <laughs> that that uh, can afford a, a mountain bike these days. I think the um, average Joe's gonna I, have to wait for a used one of these things about six years from yeah. now. It'll be it'll be yeah. down to five thousand dollars. Right. Yeah, I'm just wondering, you know, are they going to come out with like the SB line, like an SB 130E or something like that? You know what I mean? Right. Um, I mean, obviously, they're going to have to change the frame and, and stuff, but will they keep that suspension design on all of them? Or, or you know, how, how will they uh, scale that to uh, the lesser rich uh, riders or, or do they even plan to, I mean, you know, yeah, in general, Yeti to. seems to be kind of, kind of high end to begin with, you know, they came out with that, uh, limited edition arc frame last year, the ARC, uh, what did they do? A thousand of those? Oh, no, was it a thousand or a hundred frames? I can't remember now. I'll have to go back and review that episode, but, um, you know, it was like that, that was it and it's gone. And I think those bikes were 10 grand. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, for the for the top of the line edition of that, and that was a hardtail. <laughs> yeah, there's always people so, with money willing to spend it, and there's always people who don't have money who are willing to take on debt. So yeah. I, I guess you know it's not like I walk into the Ferrari dealership and they're like, "Hey, guess what? We we built this uh, low cost model just for you, Ken." Yeah, it's, mm-hmm. it's right here in a it's Lego Maserati. Box. I was gonna say it's called a yeah. Lego box. <laughs> like, yeah, for for fifty bucks you could build one out of Lego. That's awesome. Uh, a Maserati right. is a cheap Ferrari. <laughs> is that what you're saying? Yeah. <laughs> on a similar uh, on that note, uh, I was actually I saw yesterday uh, G- uh, Lego came out with a Jeep Wrangler kit. Oh. Now that I saw, I was like, oh, that is awesome. <laughs> Does it have a little mountain bike hitch uh, in the back? No, but I probably could make one. Oh, probably so. Probably got a hole yeah, behind. But but yeah, I was happy to see that because yeah, they do the Ferraris and, and sports cars and stuff like that. And I was like, oh, sweet a Jeep. Yeah. But I don't know. It's it's I'm torn between getting that or the Seinfeld uh, show set uh, Lego kit. Both both are uh, pretty high up there on the Christmas and stuff. I must say. <laughs> Not that there's anything wrong with that. Not that there's anything wrong with that at all. So anyways, going back to bikes, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I just uh, wanted to talk reaction on the fact that Yeti finally came out with one. I'd say the price tag is uh, right around where I would have expected. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm glad they didn't just, you know, slap a motor and a battery on an existing frame design. I mean, they, you know, definitely put some R&D into this and uh, took the time to make time to make a possibly a perfect e-mountain bike for that price. I hope so, but hmm. maybe we'll never find out personally, but who knows? Maybe at next year's dirt fest or whatever they're calling it now, Yeti will be out there with some e-bikes. <laughs> <laughs> I would only hope that would be awesome. I would definitely try that. Brap. Yeah. And on that note, that is my bike thing. The Brewers Association just announced the winners of the 2021 Great American Beer Festival competition. This was the 35th edition, 9,680 beers from 2,192 breweries 
we're in the competition representing all 50 states plus good old DC and Puerto Rico. And how they make this work is uh, they needed 34 different sessions over 17 days and 170 different judges in 97 categories of beer and 175 different beer styles. So this was huge. So now the in-person beer festival for which the Great American Beer Festival is known had to be canceled again for the second year in a row. But uh, the Great American Beer Festival competition director, Chris Swearzy, had a quote in a press release where he said, our brewing community rallied together to make this year's GABF competition one for the books, our largest competition judge to date, which answered my question looking at this right away was, did more or fewer breweries compete this year? Because there's a cost to compete, and we know that 2020 was a pretty tough year for breweries uh, because of the pandemic and et cetera. And that led on into 2021. But in fact, this was the biggest competition they've had. There were nearly 100 beers on average entered in each category. So for one thing, when I see that number, it made me go, wow. So winning any of these things is pretty damn impressive. Uh, 425 of those were from first time entrants. So 425 of all of these entrants were first timers and 30 of those were first time winners. <laughs> In other words, of those 425 newbies, 30 of them actually won medal. So that's pretty impressive. And then 15 breweries won more than one medal with Indiana's Moontown Brewing Company taking three. And I said, wow, Moontown? <laughs> yeah, I, I've never heard of them. And, and that's what makes this competition so intriguing. You know, it's exciting. It's interesting. And it also mystifies me. And it's why I look at this thing, because I'm like, OK, unless we do some digging, we don't really know if some of the more renowned and respected breweries like big names like, you know, Hill Farmstead, Alchemist, Russian River, Sierra Nevada, Dogfish Head, Stone Bells, I mean, name any of those uh, of the big ones. We don't even know if they've entered. And so what I look at is like, okay, I want to learn about breweries I never heard of who's winning these things, right? So those brewers that I just mentioned, though, they make up some of the highest ranking beers on review sites, you know, like Untapped or Beer Advocate, and none of them show up as winners in this year's competition. But does it mean they didn't even enter? I don't know. Like, did they enter and lose or did they not enter? I don't think I've ever heard of Hetty being and like, I'd have to look back. I mean, this competition's going been going on longer than you have I been doing this podcast or even been this deep into beer. So I don't know <laughs> if the alchemists ever entered a Brewers Association competition or if they enter even any competitions. We just know they're highly rated on sites like Beer Advocate. But what about some of the smaller breweries we really like and who also have big reputations and they don't show up in the awards either. And I'm thinking of like Weldworks and Aslan, Triple Crossing. Yeah. Acusta, other half, six point. I mean, you could, we could go on and on. Like you could name any brewery you love uh, and go, where are they? Well, let me explain how the competition works. And then we can look at a couple of the numbers. I just wanted to share with you some of the things about, you know, Virginia and of course, Florida. Um, so the festival invites industry professionals from around the world to uh, be in small groups for this one without knowing the brand name of these beers and taste the beers in each specified style category. And then the goal for this judging panel is to, to identify three beers that best represent each beer style 
as described and adopted by the Great American Beer Festival. And we've talked to that, about that on other episodes where the, Great, uh, where the Brewers Association has a style guide that explains what all these styles are. And then if you go to the Great American Beer Festival site, you can read about what all the categories are and what the qualifications are for each category. And then when the judge decides that a category has three excellent samples of the style, then they'll give the gold, silver, bronze for these things, you know, and what was cool, but I didn't realize this, that if they don't think an award, I mean, they don't think a, there's a beer in the category that deserves a gold, they will not give a gold. They'll do a silver and bronze, but they won't oh, give wow. a gold because they'll never say like, this is excellent. And so I noticed this year there was no gold in Scotch ale category. So I thought, huh. interesting. you know, I, I mean, know that. I'm not a super, super expert on Scotch ale, but I, I like them when I have them, but they're kind of on the heavy side. So I don't drink a ton of them, but I do like them. Uh, mm -hmm. But I mean, silver is not a bad win, you know? So anyway, but right. how do they define gold then? If you're not going to award it, how do you define gold? Well, gold is a world-class beer accurately exemplifying the specified style displaying the proper balance of taste, aroma, and appearance. Stepping down, silver, excellent beer, made, uh, can slightly vary from style parameters while maintaining close adherence to the style, still having excellent taste, aroma, and appearance. And then bronze is a fine example of the style that may vary slightly from the parameters and or have minor deviations in taste, aroma, and appearance. So I'm gonna say, I ain't qualified to determine what is world-class excellent or fine. I just know when something's good. <laughs> so I already know, like, I'm not ready to be a judge. I've said this before, but I just like, I don't think I could take, tell the difference between a slight variation from style parameters to perhaps uh, minor deviations in taste or Roman appearance. So I think I need more beer tasting in my life. So anyway, um, now, you know, I like to dig into these lists and break them down. So here's the fun part. Let me share some of you for, you know, what, what kind of grabbed my attention this year on the awards list. So first off, after two straight years of taking awards, our friends, and I'll call them friends, but, you know, they're not, they don't know who we are. But, you know, Kern River Brewing did not make the awards. And did they enter at all? I don't know. But I did check they're, they're still in business because of COVID. And yes, they are still in business. And why do I care about them? Uh, you might recall, they're the ones in Kernville, California. They're owned by a mountain biking couple. And some of their beers, there's one like called Pumps, Bumps and Rollers, are inspired by trails and mountain biking. And they stop and ride, do mountain biking when they're on their way to the Great American Beer Festival. They drive from California. They take their kids, they ride on the way, and then they go to the award ceremony. And two years ago, when I met them at the Great American Beer Festival, they won two golds and two silvers, as well as the Brewery Group of the Year honor. So they had a special place in my heart and they are still on my list of, we got to get their beer, bike and beer destination. So one day, but anyway, they're still in business. I'm glad mm -hmm. to see that. So who did win this year? Well, let's start out with our great state of Virginia here. And Virginia brought home 10 medals from 10 different breweries. And so what was interesting was some of the original breweries of the new craft beer wave. So let's think about that. So like Hardywood in Port City, they brought home awards with Hardywood getting bronze in the experimental wood aged beer category for Christmas Island in Port City, again, with Optimal Wit taking a gold 
And I, that's their wow. fourth medal for optimal. I mean, that beer is consistently kicking ass. So, and it is good. I mean, I think that's the best um, Port City beer. They have some good ones, and I think that one's really good. So, so I like them both. I like uh, the Wit, and it's a flagship. And but Christmas Island is a special beer, uh, and and I know they make it every. Um, obviously, it's called Christmas Island. It's a holiday beer, but they release it in small batches, like so you can get it at their brewery in Richmond and Goochland on tap. But I think bottle wise, I'm not sure that they ship it or not. I don't think it, there's not a huge wide distribution of it. You do get it if you buy the, the um, gingerbread stout and all the varieties that come out once a year, uh, you, you, it does get included in that box. So that's how I got to taste it last year. Um, thought it was pretty good. So obviously, so did some judges at the Great American Beer Festival. And then also locally, uh, and this one is very much in the easy for us to get to distance, is Fairwinds. They won a bronze um, in the American Belgo style ale category for Siren's Lure. And we've been drinking Siren's Lure for years. I think, I mean, you've had it, I've had it, but I always thought it was a Cezanne. And so it's in the American Belgo style ale category. So I got some research to do there as to like how did siren's lore i didn't think of it as a belgo so i need to learn more about belgo or more about siren's lore i don't know we'll see and then caboose oh go ahead you say i uh, know what is belgo belgo is a style it's an american it's a belgo style like i know the only first one i ever had was from uh, new belgium and it's it's sort of almost like a belgian I almost think of it like a Belgian. It's yeah. not short for something. No, it's it's American Belgo style ale. Okay, that's that's new to me. <laughs> okay, well, like you never Definitely see never it. Like the only one. one, the only one I'd ever seen before was New Belgium, and that's why I'm confused about why Sirens Lore is in that category. So, like I said, more research to come for a future beer thing for, on that one. Uh, Caboose. Caboose, you don't think about it. Mean, I, I like Caboose, but I like Caboose is a good beer and food place. I'd never think of it as just like a pure go there for awesome beer, which is a great place to drink. They have very good beer, but they took gold, gold in the Belgian style sour ale with Flanders huh. style red ale. I'm like good for them, man. So it's just cool to see that these breweries that you like are also like stamped with judging approval uh it, mm. it's just like it's good for them it brings them credibility beyond just hey this restaurant group or this people who really get into food or also beer sort of like what you know greg inger from the restaurant group you know opened a brewery which everybody loves blue jacket so it can be done but anyway i'm not going to go through every beer on the virginia list but i i just want to note two others because one is uh recently a place you and I went, Richmond's Bingo Brewery, where we got birthday beer to celebrate your birthday after riding at Pocahontas State Park. They won a silver for Rail Pass, which is their German-style Pilsner. And so that was in a category that had 210 entries. So that's a hell of a, a recognition right there. 210 entries, and they took a silver. So Is that the, is that the Pilsner that we brought home some of? Yeah. Okay. No, no, yeah, no. We I, brought I home. We brought home built bingo pills. I think it was called. This is called. This one's called Rail Pass. So okay. I don't think we had this one, but uh, nonetheless, I they do make really good, just crispy boys, as they call them. 
That's it's a real good one. <laughs> and the f- formerly known as Front Royal Brewery, they're now they renamed themselves Vibressa. Uh, they won silver for a beer called Park Pass, and that's a Munich style Hellas. And you know, I had recently had them at Dominion. I, I didn't realize they had rebranded, and I've always wanted to go to Front Royal Brewing because they're out there towards Shenandoah. So they're like if you go ride at Kakapon or you go ride um, at uh, Stokesville, Front Royal Brewing could be in the, you know, it's kind of that point at which you turn on to 66 to come home, but I just haven't made it there. And now they, you know, I, I had their beer at Dominion and I'm like really missing out on some good beer. They make really good beer. So, and now they have an award, Silver, for Park Pass. All right, so there's one more because you go there it's a place you've been. I've never been. And you go there often, not because of the beer, but because it's a good place to go with families and kids. So I'm talking about Bear Chase and they won a gold for their Oktoberfest beer. Oh, nice. So, yeah. So I thought you'd like that to go, you know, not only are you being dragged out to a brewery because, you know, it's a fun place for family and friends, but now you can say you're drinking award-winning beer while you're there. So that's pretty cool too. Uh, other surprises. How many breweries from Vermont do you think made the medal list? Now you're thinking about yeah. like you, you got the right answer. Yeah, it's like <laughs> I was shocked by that. And I'm thinking like um, there's so many think of beers from there, you know, Hetty Topper, Sip of Sunshine, um, Foam is up there, like Hill Farmstead, not a single brewery from Vermont. I, I was just shocked by that. Um and so then here's a state that just doesn't jump out to me as a beer state. Like when you think of Wyoming, do you go, oh man, we got to go there to get, hit the breweries yeah. in Wyoming, right? Four, mm-hmm. four medals, four, including wow. two going to a brewery called Blacktooth Brewing and a gold medal to Melvin Brewing, which I have heard of and have seen at a couple of festivals uh, for their wood and barrel aged strong style. And I'll have to admit that I am no expert on Melvin, but I can tell you this. At the Great American Beer Festival in 2019, the lines were long for Melvin. Like there, there was a yeah. Melvin booth and people were willing to wait. Like to me, you're especially people who had to pay. Like I had a media pass, thanks to Over the Hump. Um, <laughs> people who paid to be in there were willing to stand in line for I don't know how long to get a four ounce taster <laughs> not even a four ounce but there was a one ounce like i think great american beer festival had the glasses it was one ounce anyway melvin was popular for sure and so i've always wondered more you know to want to know more about it and so anyway they took a uh, a gold for their wood and barrel aid strong and then your home state of florida 12 medals including wow. the brewers uh the uh, I don't know. I'd never heard of this one before. Maine and six brewing in Jacksonville. Hmm. They yeah, won, they won like uh, like brewery group of the year award uh, in the 251 to 500 barrel category. Um, and let's see, there was what else? Uh, six ten brewing out of Tampa. You heard of that one? I've heard of them. Yeah. Yeah. So they won a medal and so I just like Maine and six, which showed up in another awards thing I'd looked at. So Maine and six and six ten. So we have to see what's uh, coming out of Florida. Like uh, no cigar city this time. Just interesting the, the way it continues huh. to grow. So yeah, 
so finally, yeah. I'm going to wrap up. With, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. I, I was just going to say, you know, my theory with, you know, why we aren't seeing any main beers in there or at least no medals, you know, part of me wonders if some of these guys are like, hey, you know, we've already won awards. We have all the recognition we need. Let's let's share the love with, you know, all the up and coming guys and give them a chance. Um, Because, I mean, you know, the beer industry is like that. They're, they're all willing to help each other and, and stuff. And, you know, you know, the likes of the Alchemist, as an example, I mean, I don't see them come out with too many new beers. You know what I mean? Like they, they have a good line of beers that they do really well. So some of these places might just not brew new stuff at the same frequency as others Maybe. that are, you know, trying to, to brew something that's going to push limits and, and get some recognition. So I, I, I'm, I'm thinking maybe that has something to do with it or yeah. Or the other thing is with, you know, all the pandemic stuff this year, maybe the, uh, yeah, the big guys are just like, ah, eh, you know, we didn't really try to, you know, do anything to, to be competitive this year or didn't expect the event to happen or something like that. So maybe they're staying home this year and all the small guys are like, Oh, we're going to take advantage of this and, and, you know, use the, use it as our opportunity to have a more level playing field for competition. I, I don't know. Just a couple yeah. thoughts that come to mind for me. Yeah. I wonder about it too. I, I wonder if it's sort of like, uh, you know, heavyweight boxers too. They're being coy about it. Right. They're like, yeah, you can't get in the ring with me. You know, I'm not getting either. Like yeah. how they play it off, play it off. I, I don't know. Or there, or there's, there's something about the competition they don't like, but on a mm-hmm. side note, um, which I don't understand at all. If the Brewers Association is all about independent craft beer, how did New Belgium win an award? How did Wicked Weed win an award? How did Avery win an award? How did all these uh, Anheuser-Busch owned, or AB InBev owned breweries win awards? But that's also for a future topic because I just didn't understand that at all. I didn't know that it could be mm-hmm. in there. So, yeah. All right. So let me... I'll wrap it up with a look at some popular categories just because, you know, we looked at states that are of interest to us, but look at this for the juicy or hazy India pale L category. There were 427 entrants and the gold went to deadhead IPA series tour bus from distill brewery in normal Illinois. That's D E S T I H L never heard of them. So another one to be on the lookout for. And then the American style India Pale Ale, so not your hazy or juicy, 404 entries. And the winner was Pearl Brewing out of Portland, Oregon. No, sorry, Von Ebert Brewing out of Portland, Oregon. And I hadn't heard of Von Ebert Brewing out of Portland, Oregon. So that's another one like, oh, okay. But last (laughs) but not least, I wanted to see like all these breweries we just discussed, are any of them going to be at Snallygaster in October? And so, especially I was looking for the Florida ones since they're on the East Coast and, you know, Snally's in Mid-Atlantic. I thought maybe some of these would be coming up, but that Maine and Six Brewery, they're not coming up. 610, they're not on the list right now. So, again, we'll have to keep a lookout on that or we'll just have to send you down to Florida to bring some back. And then, uh, let's see, but Vibressa out of um, Front Royal, they'll be there. Hardywood and Port City will also be there. And... But that was it. That's it on the list from from uh, like the medal winners that will be at uh, Snallygaster, which is this 
great festival that Kevin and I will talk about more in, in the future since we're going to be attending in person this year. Yay. Um, and I just think this points to something else. And that's, you know, there's more than 8,000 breweries in the U.S. now. And most of them are not going to win awards. And we could go to Snallygaster and they could say, we're sorry, we're not going to bring in any award-winning beers. And we would still have the most awesome time with incredible beer. And, and that's what I think, like, you listen to songs that don't win Grammys, right? <laughs> I mean, so I don't know. It's just like the beers about that experience. It's like competition's fun and it brings recognition. And, and it's cool to read these lists because you find out about breweries you might not otherwise hear of. But I think ultimately the best beer is the one you like the best. And that right. is my beer thing. You know, it, just because it doesn't win an award doesn't mean it's not an awesome beer. It's just there's so many awesome beers. You can only pick one to win gold, right? Yeah. And we're not even talking about Belgium and Germany and Ecuador or anywhere else where they brew beer. Right. So this is only about That's American true. beers at this festival. We've reached the end of episode 129 of Over the Hump with Trails to Ales. Trails to Ales being us, me and Kevin. And we have an Instagram account. That's Trails to Ales VA. So check us out there if you want to see pictures from our riding adventures and bearing adventures and etc. Also, we sure would appreciate if you enjoy this podcast, if you review it wherever you happen to be listening to it. Because that helps us too with algorithms and such and gets us listened to and then helps get our attention, uh, get us attention when we want to go reach out to breweries and brewers and other folks to talk with them for our podcast. So we appreciate that a great deal. And otherwise, what we talked about today were a couple of things. One, the new e-bike from Yeti, the 50-pound, $12,000 bike. Uh uh, we're waiting to see how that uh, finds its way into competition, but uh, yeah, do check that out. And I talked about the recent awards from Great American Beer Festival, which uh, included a lot of interesting breweries that we had not heard of. We don't get them on our shelves, but we'll be on the lookout for them because uh, they definitely are a way to find beers of interest. Doesn't mean an award, doesn't mean that's the best beer ever. But an award does mean that it's worth our attention, so we're going to be giving that attention. And if you're not riding your really expensive bike, and you're not drinking really award-winning beer, we just hope you remember to ride fast. Over the hump. Over the And drink slow. Over the hump with Trails to Hills. Dude, you would believe at the hotel um, we stayed at, these people that were parked there in the hotel parking lot, had a Santa Cruz tall boy and a Trek X caliber or pro caliber, not the super caliber, but a pro caliber, I want to say locked or, or on a rack on the back of their bikes. Not even, they had the frame locked and that was it. The, the wheels weren't locked, but I'm like, you're just going to leave these out here overnight. And they did it for two nights. Oh my God. They were there both nights. So I was like, I wonder where they rode. Well, they could have been right. been going into the city and riding like buttermilk in those uh, urban trails. Maybe on, on yeah. Belle Island, right? But yeah, that's, that's true. Wow. So, so what, what about at the race? Did they serve good beer at the race? I didn't even know. So one cool thing about NASCAR is you're allowed to bring your own cooler in with whatever you want. You're allowed a 14 square inch cooler, soft cooler. 
uh, to bring whatever you want in. So what I just brought bring? some beers from the, the answer in the veil. Dang, you were drinking good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, uh, what you thought? I mean, we tailgated for a little bit, and then my friend wanted to get these these fan passes, um, where you can kind of go into the infield of the track and check out the cars and stuff like that. Before.